With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Salutations, Mets fans, and welcome to episode 156 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and this is our World Series Game 5 recap. But here's the thing. We're not going to talk about World Series Game 5. We'll have more podcasts in the coming week, you know, the usual season and review stuff, and we're way behind on important things like me yelling about adding Josh Smoker to the 40-man to protect him from Rule 5. We'll get to all that. We'll get to the Arizona Fall League and the various winter leagues and who's doing what, where. We'll get to our Amazing Avenue Audio AAOPs, all the stuff you know and love. But before then, I decided... It's time to send off the 2015 Mets in style. So we're going to throw him a little bit of an Irish wake here. Joining me is Steve Sippa, Brian Salvatore, and Lucas Lajos. Gentlemen, the 2015 Mets went to the motherfucking World Series. They did. Hell yeah. This was all house money. That's the only thing I keep saying to myself. This is house money. I don't know that I'd go that far, but we're not getting into, like, World Series <laughs> commentary on the show, so I will say this. I'm, I'm, I am taking it much better than I did in 2006, I think, because I'm nine years older, and I didn't expect as much. But, you know, even from day one, I was thinking back to sort of our first podcast of the official season, which we did after opening day, you know, Bartolo Colon shutting down the Nats, Ian Desmond making a portentous error in the field got the Mets in and was off to the races and this you know the early season wasn't great I actually I went back and watched the Wilmer Flores game today to get myself psyched and uh, I had forgotten that Eric I, I, I know I mentioned on the show at the time that we did right after the trade deadline but I had forgotten in the interim because the Mets have been very good since then that Eric Campbell played that entire game in left field yep a bunch Didn't of us they? were at that game, and we were sitting in left field stands. We got prime, prime viewership of Eric Campbell in left field. I don't think any balls were actually hit to him, though. Didn't they have someone else on the bench? Like, wasn't Kirk or someone on the bench the whole time? Yeah, it was a Gio Gonzalez start, so I know he was eventually out of the game. <laughs> huh. 
and I know it'll probably take you know several months for people to really appreciate this team in this season and I wish we could do a better job of it than we're probably going to do now sort of in the shadow of game five but just some of your favorite players or moments from this year let's go let's send this out in style well I mean one of the whole narratives of this team has been rookies graduating so I mean the 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 maturation of Syndergaard of Mats of Conforto uh, even Flores I guess if you want to count him and the contributions to this team. And as someone, you know, as guys that have been watching the minor league teams for years now, it's it's a nice feeling to, to see these guys that we have a vested interest in come up and succeed. Yeah, I think Conforto is my guy this year. You know, just it was such a joy watching him come up. And, you know, even as late as the ninth inning tonight, you just see the kid fighting and doing great things and uh you have to like it you know it's one of the few bright spots offensively we've seen come up through the system lately and uh you know he just seems like he's a fun player to watch for the record it was the 12th inning not the ninth. sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i know it's i'm trying to forget those last three innings you know uh i mean not enough in a different you know a different space time continuum Conforto, you know, those two home runs in uh, Game 4 go down as legendary. Mm. Also these Gary total. Carter parallel. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, I mean, he's going to be so good. Just nothing. His, the bats he takes, I, mean, I, I know he didn't have a great series overall, uh, if you just look at the raw numbers, but he just took great at bats. I mean, yeah, he popped up some hittable fastballs, that'll happen, but He's just a really impressive, complete player right now. His power really is legit. I mean, a lot of the, you know, prognostications earlier on saying that he was like a 20 to 25 home run hitter, maybe occasionally even hitting 30, I really had a lot of doubts on. I saw him always like maybe 15 to 20, but he he really looks like he's going to be a 20 plus home run player, which is very, very sweet. I mean, that ball he he put into the second deck at City. I'm trying to think. The only person I can remember, I mean, I'm sure other players have hit it that far in games um the, only, the last player i remember really putting a putting it that many rows deep in the second deck and right is prince fielder so i mean it's i thought the shit power i thought the second one was more impressive because he was he looked totally fooled on oh that, yeah and it was easily out he's cr- people like he's crazy strong i know he just kind of looks like a doofy dude if you saw the picture <laughs> of him in a in the whatever the Ewok under ruse or whatever, he wasn't exactly a prime physical specimen, but he's got giant forearms. He gets the swing so under control. He gets the bat through the bat head through the zone so quick, and was he has such great control over it as we saw on the home run against Duffy that it's just I, we'll see how the league adjusts back to him next year. But I mean, he adjusted very quickly this year. He's a very very smart hitter. He's going to be a really really good player. Tuki Tucson who? <laughs> I want to nuke him, who actually looks pretty good. I guess he was hitting 100, but he's also not in the majors right now. Yeah, he's not hitting 100 against, uh, you know, premium talent in the World Series. Uh. And I wanted Zimmer personally just because it sounded like he had a more athletic profile, so more margin for error with the bat. And I think he's still pretty talented, but like you said, he's not in the majors. He's not contributing to a playoff team right now. 
Yeah. Is it double A or something? Is he even in double A? I don't remember. I think he made double A in the second half. I believe half. so. Yeah, double A. I mean, I gotta say, I, I know I know I said we weren't going to talk about Game 5, but I made a lot of Wild Bunch references on Twitter tonight in reference to uh, to Matt Harvey's performance, and just him going out, like, at the Gatling gun was pretty impressive. And I don't know what happens. I mean, there's just gonna be an off-season of trade rumors, which we'll discuss in the shows to come. I just... He, uh... He shoved tonight. Sure did. There's no yep. other way around it. Shoved Terry Collins's original decision right back in his face. <laughs> Probably should talk about that, huh? No, we're not. I tell you, we're not talking about Game Five. <laughs> I refuse to do it. Yeah, it happened. We all know there'll be the, the entire baseball media is at the game or at the games was at that game. They'll all be writing about it tomorrow. You can read whatever you want or choose not to. That's up to you, um, gentle listener. Um, I will take some emails, though. Once again, you can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. And we will be back to regular emails and whatnot next week. But I did want to take this email from Jimmy, who actually sent it in after game four. But I think it still applies now. It simply says, why do we do this to ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. Um, Kate Morrison at BP, I'm going to plug the brand on the podcast sort of wrote about this in a way as her game four recap this morning you should check it out it's free to, free to all uh just about how baseball is a game of failure and you know it's we have to i mean i think eric sort of harps on this at times the idea that you know, at a point in time that fandom's supposed to be fun you know, rooting for the Mets, rooting for any sports team is supposed to bring you more joy than sorrow in your life, ideally. That's what it should be. And I think I, I think it is, even the bad seasons. You know, I understand that it's, it's a different kind of pain now because there's a hurt that comes with being close to winning it all like the Mets did this year. But failure is just a part of the of the game and of being a fan and I mean would you have really rather watched the two thousand fourteen team again, something like that? I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed watching Tim Redding pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well that's on the pitch talks panel back in March now is during the season May I remember the first one I did um, Matt Cerrone I know I know made this point and it's a good one that you know by the Yankees fans and the Yankees own standards you know they've they fail more than any other t- 
team in baseball because their goal is to win a World Series every year. And yeah, that should be the goal, but it doesn't work that way, obviously. You know, one team wins, 29 teams don't. And baseball, more than any other sport, is about the day-to-day journey. You know, this is not even bordering on cliche. It basically is a cliche. You know, living sort of each day with this team, especially in August and September when they looked completely and utterly invincible. It is worth more than however badly the season ended, to me at least. I think people tend to always focus on the endings. You know, think about people with TV shows like Lost, let's say, you know, people enjoyed it for X amount of time. And then as soon as it ends badly, well, fuck it. It's the worst show that was ever that was ever on television. I feel like people just, you know, and rightly so in the moment, I mean, right now sucks. You know, this is this is a bad night. But like you were saying, it doesn't negate those amazing August and September nights. You know, it, it, those moments were fun. Those moments were meaningful. Those moments I will remember probably not as you know, strongly as I'm remembering tonight, but it's there and it should be fun. And it was fun and it hurts. Yeah. But this is, I think this is better than the alternative. This is better than a middling team that hurts a little bit every day. You get kind of like numb to that too. I think as I kind of test, I mean, done the podcast over the last few years and talked (laughs) hours and hours of my life away talking about mediocre Mets teams. And yeah, there's always reasons to go to the park even on the worst team, teams worse than the Mets. Live baseball is great. Ba- you know, just watching baseball, sitting down for a few hours, there's always something to say. But to really sort of get invested, and that's what that's why it hurts. And I sort of talked about this when I mentioned sort of the switch flipping for me after game two of the Cubs series. Once you make that decision to sort of let the let the team really in, this is what can very well end up happening. And it was brutal. I've sat on my couch the last two nights just not even wanting. I still find ways to tweet, but not even uh, wanting to do any <laughs> move or, or do anything. And you know what? That eventually will go away. And it's a bitter taste, certainly. But, I mean, this was fun. This was a great team. Well, great might be a little bit strong. But this was a really good good team a great team to root for too yeah certainly Mm. i mean it's certainly the flores story that was was all the news everywhere at the end of july and and going forward you know the way they uh stuffed the nationals labor day weekend to put the division more or less out of reach the way they got back into the division against the nationals around the trading deadline and those were great games. I like I said, I'll, I'll say it again because why not? I was there at that Sunday night game against the Nationals when when Syndergaard started, and they got back into a tie for the division lead, and it was it was magical. It was one of the best live baseball experiences of my life, and you know I went to what three Mets playoff games this year. Like I I went to World Series Game Three and watched the Mets win a World Series game. That's something that happened to me this year. That's crazy. <laughs> Especially when you think, like, within the last, what, three, four years, you've had starts from Daisuke Matsuzaka, and uh, did Redding ever start? Who knows? And Manny no, Acosta was our bullpen. Yeah, and started. Fernando Tatis was our starting first base. But, like, all those things happened. 
and then now we're in the World Series. So it, it's Gary it, it, Matthews Jr. Mm. Uh, I, I could see there's so many shitty things or shitty players that you just forget about because they were also shitty, and then this happens it's kind of out of the blue in at, at the trade deadline, it just exploded, and I mean, it's awesome. It sucks right now, but it's still awesome. Well, the silver lining of all of this is that, I mean, we lost, yes, but the team for 2016, is, there's still going to be a lot of the same faces. And yes, I know a lot of the success that we had this year was, I don't want to say luck, because, I mean, who could have foreseen the Nationals collapsing like they did? But we should have a good team for next year, and... For the year, you know, next, maybe, maybe 2017, 2018, who knows? I don't know. But we have a team that's built for more than just this year, and that's it. Look, I mean, four out of five days next year, you're going to get to watch Jacob DeGrom, Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, and Steven Matz. Yep. And the second half, Wheeler comes back. Yeah. And God willing, Fireman Bart. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> please, please make this happen, Sandy. I mean, I wouldn't even say they were that lucky. I mean, call call the adjusted records, whatever you want, but uh, the Pythagorean record has them at 88, 89, something in that range, and they won 90. So, and, and like yeah, you I, said, I don't almost, think they were lucky. I think they just you know had a a two month streak when they played really, really well. Right, and the Nationals happened to be considerably worse than everybody anticipated as well. Yep, sure. Yeah, I don't know what 2016 brings. I'm, it's, again, subject for plenty of, of off-season podcasts. But I don't want, like... And the way it ended for certain players, I think it was going to color their whole Mets tenure. I mean, we saw what happened with Beltran. Yeah. And you're going to see more of that with, with Murphy and maybe even Cespedes. Um, I think everyone understands this was not an Armando Benitez series for Familia. At least, so we'll be spared that for the most part. And, and he'll be back to yeah remind everyone how awesome he is. I, don't know, I think I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to move forward. I would like to do a couple more of these postseason podcasts, but I'm uh I'm okay. Actually, maybe catching up on some sleep over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be nice to not have to stay until like twelve thirty one in the morning talking to you guys. No offense, of course. I couldn't figure out why I felt so unproductive this past month. As like, oh yeah, I'm not used to watching baseball in October this intently. That's why I've been getting nothing done. Right. All we can the games all have are going until one in the morning. Yeah. We can all have nice dreams about Syndergaard figuring out the Warthen slider and absolutely dominating fools he threw a bunch of them in uh yep in game three yep i think i went back and looked it up and he threw uh because i was writing about it for the game four preview and he threw i think around 16 percent when it had been about three percent during the season Mm. and it looks good it gives him another look yeah because he really needed more stuff (laughs) that's gonna be fun to watch yeah. 
So I guess I we... was. Yeah. Uh, I was with a friend of mine last night. I was a Yankees fan, and he said, "You know, no matter what happens, he said I would take the Mets' future for the next five years over the Yankees, hands down." And I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I think the Mets have a very, very positive future. You know, again, tonight hurts, but I think overall we're gonna we're gonna be all right. I hope. So we can officially now say, hashtag RIP 2015 Mets. Oh, man. <laughs> but also, long live the 2015 Mets. Love the Mets. Love the Mets. All right, we'll be back next week on a normal, regular schedule with all your fun Rule 5 and AFL and all the stuff you've missed from our October podcast of previous years with another edition of Amazing Avenue Audio.